They charge a torso and live here. Drip tears down on the concrete jungle where socks still slouch and the sauce is bum, is bum, is bum. Welcome to insert name here. I we we're like two it's months. Yeah, it's still it's, it's still two months. Still two months we don't on. have this. Come on, this is embarrassing. I mean, I, I'm almost as embarrassed as, like, you know, Mooch's wife. Look, Your weekly we need to hire. We need to fire our chief of staff. We probably should. Let's, let's just make him miserable. At any rate, this is your weekly rundown of what the hell just went down here in D.C. and why it matters to normal people like you and not just that friend who's getting a Pod Save America flash tattoo for Thanksgiving. Wait, is that a thing? It, it is now. Uh, we're your guides. I'm Scott Remley, aspiring indoor paint magnate and Democratic strategist at the firm Vaccaro Blue. And I'm Ian Taranji. A member of the One Love Massive Arts Collective uh, through my band, The Lucky So-and-Sos, and an immigration attorney with Rodriguez and Senator. If you haven't heard The Lucky So-and-Sos yet, you're missing out. Make sure to hear them. We actually have a show at the Kennedy Center, Millennium Stage, Friday, Kennedy Center. Friday, August 18th at 6 p.m. It's a free show. When is that again? That would be Friday, August 18th. What time? At 6 p.m. Wow. At the Kennedy Center. That is going to be baller. Free show. Ian, it's Sunday. It's July 30th. What the fuck just happened this week? All right, let's get into healthcare here, uh, <laughs> as we always do every week. And it's, yeah. Um, so this was actually a big week in healthcare, and um, I think ultimately a good one. Uh, so the Senate this week looks like they have failed to approve any Obamacare repeal legislation. Um, but it was a quite a circuitous path to uh, failure. Right, that path <laughs> goes GOP. back, and that path goes back seven years now. Six. Republicans have promised to repeal Obamacare. They've done more than fifty votes saying they want to repeal it. Trump campaigned on it; it was the centerpiece of his campaign. And now they're in charge of the House and the Senate and the White House. And like a teenager on their first solo drive, the family's good car. They wrapped it around a goddamn light post again. Can these guys like do anything without tripping over their own dicks? This is incredible. I was actually I thought you were going to go with the analogy of the uh, the teenager. With the girl for the first time, <laughs> and she undoes his pants, and then realizes, nope, it's already. I, you know, uh, um, that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That, you know, my apologies. That's Ian my, Taranji of the law firm of Rodriguez and Santabria. <laughs> <laughs> my my apologies to both of our listeners. So so walk us through the walk us through the votes this week because so, this was batshit bananas for a week. Sure. So on Tuesday we had a vote on what's called the motion to proceed, which is basically the vote to uh, debate a bill, proposed legislation, on the floor of the Senate, and, uh, and then presumably to take a vote on said bill sometime afterwards. Uh, so we had... Now, un- you also have to understand the math in the Senate, um, and, and I should also mention the House ha- did already pass a Obamacare repeal. Which is a disaster. Bill. It's going to leave of like 20... Three, Two, 22 million people without health insurance yeah. and is basically just a huge cut to Medicaid and right. taking all that money and giving it back to corporations and people making like $500,000 a year. Right. So the Senate is trying to figure out how we, the Senate is trying to figure out how can we do the same thing, but like not, not get yelled at, get yelled at but by but people. Not look like dicks. And <laughs> it's a tough balance. Right. We want to give tax cuts to rich people and fuck over poor people and people of color. We just don't want to say that. But we don't that. want people Hating us for giving tax cuts to rich people and fucking over poor people and people of color. Yeah. Basically. Fortunately, they put 10 white men in a room to pick the lock on this very thorny issue. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. But just, just to get really really quickly back to the, the math in the Senate. So there are 52 Republicans, if I'm, if I'm understanding this correctly. 52 Republicans, um, two independents, Bernie Sanders and Angus King of Maine, um, and then uh, uh, 46 Democrats. Is that correct? 46, 2 plus 52. <laughs> yep. Okay. I, li- remar- I literally was about to pull out the calculator. So you were talking about the motion to proceed, which is right. basically they it's the moment that they agree to debate it. To, that we're gonna okay, we're gonna take a look at this potential right, bill. Right, and right. Bearing in mind that the way the bill was the way the rules are structured, because they've come up with like new rules every mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. that they're gonna consider it, they could have anybody could offer an amendment. 
And then, you know, which left then Mitch McConnell as the president of the Senate, right. the ability always to offer the final amendment, which he could use to basically eliminate everything that had come before and say, like, now, you know what, we've had all these votes, but actually we're going to vote on my thing, and that's what it's going to yeah. be. And he wouldn't tell anybody what that was going to be. It's, it, it, like, it's incredible. So the motion to proceed on Tuesday, um, we already knew that we had two Republican no votes. I mean, basically what the Republicans need was 50 votes because under the constitutional rules, um, if there's a tie in the Senate, the vice president breaks the tie. Right. So and vice president was always a yes. So the vice president yeah. being a Republican was likely to be likely, <laughs> likely to be a yes. Um, uh, so we already knew that Lisa Murkowski, senator from Alaska, Susan Collins, senator of Maine, both Republicans, were no's, hard no's. They weren't going to vote on any of the Obamacare repeal. They weren't even going to vote on the motion to proceed. So McConnell had to keep his co- he had to keep his coalition together. Obviously, we had the issue last week with Senator McCain, and he, uh, you know, he had surgery to uh, relieve cancer. a well to relieve a blood clot, and then they, I guess, I don't know if they discovered the brain cancer or if this is just when he's decided to announce it. But at any rate, he's been diagnosed with brain cancer, and that's obviously right. a he serious probably issue. Has a year to live. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So they um, raced him back in. They, well, yeah. I mean, my my, my understanding is. He wanted to come back in. I think there's also some defense issues that he wanted to vote on as well. Right. And he gives a big speech on the floor, chiding his Republican and Democratic colleagues uh, for abandoning regular order in the Senate and uh, you know, for not choosing a bipartisan path on this. Then he went ahead and voted for the motion to proceed to debate the bill that had been written in not regular order and not in a bipartisan fashion. Right. It began to look very much like John McCain had nice words to say that ultimately rang hollow looking at his actions. Um, spoiler alert, at the end of the week, he actually shows up to save the day and uh, is the dis- kind of the deciding no vote that scuttled the most bare-bones Obamacare repeal that we got to on Thursday. Or actually, it was Friday morning when it was voted. It was like right. Oh, like 1:45 a.m. when the final vote tally. Which occurred. let's talk about that for a minute because if that isn't the experience of every woman in America, that mind you, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins are the person who puts McCain in the position to be the hero. Yes. But like nobody says like, well, yeah, but all you know, arguably it it, it lost 51-49. Any one no vote can be is technically the deciding vote. Yes. Yes. But as usual, it's like two women watching as some man gets to take all the fucking credit. Like, well. <laughs> it's just incredible. Like, you know, and let me just mansplain to you why that's wrong. Oh, uh, okay. Remember, <laughs> all mansplaining starts with actually, and then and then you go from there. Well, actually, right. But it, it, it's but it was remarkable. You know, you're right. At about two in the morning, McCain walks onto the floor, gets the attention of the clerk. Clerk calls his name. He says no. And boy, Mitch, the Republican leadership that was like all standing there just like stares McCain down the whole way out. It was <laughs> like watching him vote against the popular girl for prom queen. Yeah. And then like all of her friends glare the whole way out. And you're just stuck being like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, I have to enjoy. I'm sure there's a certain amount of, well, there's a certain amount of schadenfreude on my part because, uh, you know, Donald Trump famously during the campaign had kind of derisive words for John McCain. And um, so I'm sure John McCain felt in some some place in that heart of his. Right. Or my. Was. was <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Payback's Trump. a bitch. You know, Karma's a bitch, you motherfucker. Same thing happened with Murkowski. So the White House called Murkowski and basically threatened, you know, Alaska, a, a big piece of Alaska's economy is right. about oil and gas development. Right. And the White House basically called Murkowski, Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, a Republican senator. They called her office and basically said, like, nice oil industry you have up there. Be ashamed <laughs> if something happened to it. Murkowski basically went, uh-huh, voted no, and then promptly put a hold on every nominee to the Department of the Interior that yep. Trump had put up, which is the department that oversees oil and gas drilling and development, not the Department of Energy. No, and and so it's you know yeah. she basically nice... she dick kicks them down the street and they're too stupid to like see it coming. Yeah, it just seems like these guys like it's not just that these guys are playing checkers while everyone else is playing chess; they're playing jacks against a blind kitten, 
while everyone else is like playing, you know, like uh, you know, VR fidget spinner stuff. <laughs> they're just they're so they're so outmatched, and everything goes wrong, and they're just like, oh well, it's because everyone hates me, and so I need to fire people, or I need. To are do you stuff. suggesting? Are you suggesting that the brain trust of the Trump administration lacks? You know, Brain. Uh, a long time ago, a colleague of mine taught me the phrase, the fish rots from the head. Uh, and I think this is one of the... Is this Sonny Corleone? Uh, you know, it, it was a woman who at the time was the policy director for um, then Democratic Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, who is now, uh, once again, our Minority Leader, but uh, it was before she became Speaker. It, it's remarkable. And, you know, like, a, a lot of this story seems to be, like, success through failure. That the Republicans keep trying to, like do stuff through any trickery, secret means, you know, oh, vote for the bill, and then I'll tell you what it means afterwards, but you just got to trust me, and then they show that they can't be trusted, like all this batshit stuff. What actually worked here? What was the thing that would that we can point to and say, like, hey, that's a good sign of success for anybody coming out of this process? Well, so one thing for sure, uh, democratic unity, um, which, you know, look, like any other... Uh, like like any party, you have a spectrum of players on an ideological uh, you know line, and you know there are more conservative Democrats, and you know in a in a in, in a world where things in were in regular <laughs> in a world where things are in somewhat regular order, you might have been able to if you're McConnell, you might have been able to pick off a Joe Manchin or someone like that to do something and call it you know we're fixing Obamacare. Right. There's a um, number of moderate Democrats that right. are up this year in tough states. Heidi sure. Camp in North Dakota, John Tester in McCaskill. Montana, McCaskill in Missouri, uh, Joe, like you said, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, all states that like strongly went Trump, yeah. that have very strong opposition to, to, you know, like support the concept of repealing Obamacare. Those are the other heroes that aren't getting the credit here, that like that those four people may have just sealed their own fate and they did it because it was the right thing. Right, it was democratic unity, and and you know to to the credit of Chuck Schumer, which I don't often give a lot of credit to, um, you know he was able to hold his caucus together. But I think a part of the reason why he was able to hold his caucus together, and why the Republican caucus was so shaky, was because we really saw a great outpouring of um, of citizen activism on yep. this issue. You know, I think it seems like it seems like in every single one of these these sort of social pushes, you you sometimes get an image. That 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 really drives the issue home, and you know you can look. This back image at, is phones ringing off the hook. Well, I think this image was actually dis- disabled people camping out in, in Corey Gardner's office. in Corey Gardner's office, and then being removed by the, the police right, when the police are carrying out. Police are carrying, they're dragging people out who are literally in wheelchairs. Corey Gardner, up wheelchairs. Corey Gardner is a Republican senator from Colorado. He is a sworn mortal nemesis of mine. Corey, if you're listening, I still don't like you. I remember when you worked for Wayne, and I'm coming for your ass. Yeah, but yeah, so, Corey, ta- so Corey, take that. <laughs> so take that. I, I will. I will eat Corey Gardner's lunch in 2020. You can bet your house on it. But, Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. That's right. Bet your car keys. Remley eats Corey Gardner's lunch. You know, Gardner's you, lunch? You're, you're toast. Corey Gardner. But Corey Gardner, the, all of these disabled Coloradans camped out to try to get his attention. They camped out in his office in Denver and said, don't vote to repeal Obamacare. Right. And Corey Gardner not only called the cops on them because he's so scared of them, called the cops, had them physically dragged out, and then voted to repeal Obamacare anyway. And I think you're right. I think that will haunt them. When we come back, how the biopic of the 70s and 80s big guitar rock band Queen may just be the perfect metaphor for the embarrassment that is the White House operation. You're listening to Insert Name Here. This is a drop. Here at Insert Name Here, we like to think of ourselves as a real podcast, um, but we're very clearly not, not a real podcast. If we were a real podcast, for example, this space would be occupied by an advertisement, by an actual commercial venture that enjoyed our programming and felt that we reached a sufficiently large enough audience that they would pay to advertise in this space. So like like the 
Defense Department piping us in in Guantanamo because we're the one thing that can make people crack. <laughs> there it is. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. When does it easy come, easy go? Open your eyes. Look up to the skies Hey, folks, I know this is an audio medium, but you have to see him playing air piano right now. Not only is it air piano, it is air grand piano. This is a Steinway. Oh, here it comes. Easy come, easy go. Oh, that's good stuff. So we're back. Uh, You're listening to Insert Name Here because we're not bright enough to come up with a name. Earlier this week, the ongoing slow motion car, train, plane, Godzilla attack wreck of the Trump White House operation took a hilarious new tumble uh, with a number of high-level staff changes. Who's in? The uh, the joke that everyone has made this week that we came in with, uh, Anthony Scaramucci, a.k.a. The Mooch. Mooch, yes. We call this segment Scaramucci, Scaramucci. Will you do the Fandango? And if you can tweet at us and tell us why, it means you grew up in the 80s. Uh, it's Mooch, a New York City head fund manager and proclaimed and self-proclaimed mini-me of President Trump. He may be getting divorced by his wife because he couldn't be at the birth of their child earlier this week, but it's probably because he was too busy trying to be Blake from Glengarry, Glen Ross. Wow. Je- yeah, yeah that's, there's a lot going yeah. on there. Jeepers, Ian. Uh if, if, if you had to grade him on a scale from 1 to 10, how do you think uh, the Mooch's first week went? Well, it depends on what subject we're grading him. Uh, I, yeah, let's, for, start with, let's start with hair, for which sheer, is spectacular. Well, for hair, yeah, Ten. that's A+. Plus, a that plus, is, plus. I mean, that, is, that guy's an 11 on right. the hair scale. I mean, it's, that thing has elite. a mind of its own. That is, elite. that is Joe Flacco elite kind of hair. Right, right, right. right. No, I mean, I, I will say, Anthony's, I like... This new character on the Trump show is just <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Ratings are dipping, so instead of bringing in Cousin Oliver, they bring in the, the Mooch, who just comes in. And, hey, did you see the photo that was published of Scaramucci and Priebus in the Oval Office? Staring each other down. Staring each other down. And Priebus is like sitting there with his notebook just glaring. And Mooch has his thumbs hitched on his belt. Yeah. Like some kind of Western cowboy hero. I know. I know. Like they're just staring each other down. It's like, high noon at the OK Corral. Like Mooch is nothing more than I mean, he's like the Fonz with with a with a yeah. temper. Yeah. I have it written down here, uh a, a descri a descriptor of Anthony Scaramucci, uh New York City hedge fund scam artist slash Financial news moron pundit slash general New York asshole. That's a complicated resume. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> there is a lot to unpack there. And and so, not to mention just well-rounded jerk. Like, well, he just seems to be a spectacular asshole, as evidenced by some of his first interactions with all kinds of people. I tried to get a, uh, I tried to find a a sort of who is Anthony Scaramucci article. And just kept coming up with pictures one, of buttholes. Found one on CNBC, the first line of which describes him as follows. Anthony Scaramucci, the backslapping Wall Street hedge fund magnate. Magnate. Is a longtime Republican donor and fundraiser who once criticized Donald Trump as presidential candidate. So there's that. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci, he is... The uh, owner, not owner, I guess, the, the founder of Skybridge Capital, which is a, uh, a New York hedge fund. It's actually, we, we discussed this a little bit earlier. It is a fund of funds. So, so it's, it's for the, like, I want to invest in, like, in, in hedge funds, which are basically where rich people go to just plow their money and park it and let it multiply. Right. And you get hit with uh, management Man. fees. That's basically, that's what happens. That's how hedge funds make their money. They take your money. They charge a little bit. Because they're going to make you more money. That's correct. But if you're not comfortable in with theory, with just yes, right, in theory, and then and then it turns out it only works literally about fifty percent right. of the time. Um, but whether but you it, win or lose, the management fees get paid. But it turns out if you're not comfortable just paying management fees directly to your hedge fund manager, there is another option that he's yes. going to explain to us here. You can invest in a fund of funds, so it would be like a mutual fund of hedge funds. Basically, what Scaramucci does is he takes your money 
and invests it in a fund of funds. So he takes a little bit and puts it in all the funds that he decides uh, are good investments that will provide the necessary return on investment for his his uh, um, you know the, so, old, so the old people who. Anthony Scaramucci is basically nothing more than a glorified middleman. Yeah, he's the guy from Office Space who says, <laughs> "I take the order from the customer and I walk it down the hall to the engineers." I have people skills. I have people skills. <laughs> it's remarkable. Now you know the big thing. You know, Scaramucci gets hired uh, last Friday, so that's yeah. not the twenty ninth. I guess the twenty first gets hired on the twenty first. The first thing that happens is. Uh, you know, and we need to take a moment to pour one out here for Sean Spicer, a.k.a. Spicy, a.k.a. the Bunny Rabbit. Uh, Spicer took one look at this and said, yeah, OK, I'm, I'm done. No, I'm done. Spicer quit on the spot. Like good on him finally having a little bit of spine here at the end. By the way, I'm I'm shipping uh, Spicer and Rance Priebus. I'm calling him Spicer Rebus. Really? Yeah. yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't work at all. No, you should doesn't... stick with what you know. Is this is this the product of a Michigan education? This, this is what I this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, help us! Out. If you're a client, <laughs> but you know, so Spicer quits. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that happens is, uh, uh, um, uh, so part of what happens when you uh, enter uh, any administration, when you are hired by the federal government at a certain level as basically a political appointee, you have to complete a specific form. It's called a public financial disclosure form. It's abbreviated PFD. And I want to just make sure we go over the words here one at a time. Public, as in it gets published. Anyone can look at it because it's designed to help people understand if you have conflicts right. of interest. Because it's public. Public. That, and that's a really important word. Right. Disclosure being the thing, meaning, you know, it gets disclosed. again, Oftentimes to the public. To the public. I refer right. you back to that previous word. And financial, which is just the like snapshot of like, hey, here's here's how you made your money. Here's right. where if you have investments and things like that. The sort of thing that everyone the, the who, public can see because it's been right disclosed. They're, they're available on every uh, every United States senator has to complete one. Every member of Congress has to complete one. Every secretary, cabinet secretary, political appointee, right. uh, and everyone who goes to work in the White House has to complete one of these. That is correct. Um, and so what happens is a, uh, a, a reporter uh, with Politico very dutifully went and requested the form because you're allowed to do that under federal open records laws. Because it's disclosed. Because, because again, right, the public piece. The See, public. we keep coming back to this, right? right. And so they, they got the publicly available document, and they wrote a very basic story on it, which is what any reporter does. Oh, somebody gets hired, you get the PFD, you write it up. Hey, they have investments here and here and here. They made this much money last right. year. The, you know, it's, it's, like, it's the kind of thing you, like, kick down to a really high-achieving intern. You're like, here's the report. Write it up. We'll edit it. You'll get published. You'll get a little byline. Terrific. Scaramucci, once this report goes public, Scarab, this news article in Politico goes public, Scaramucci immediately begins tweeting that it's a felony. He's going to have the FBI investigate the leak of his finances, which, again, not leaked, publicly available. And then he point blank accuses then White House Chief of Staff Rice Priebus yep. of doing it. That's correct. Which then when people say, well, you know, this is publicly available. Nobody leaked this. They say, why did you put Reince Priebus on your, your tweet? Yeah. Now, the true answer is because I hate Reince Priebus. I suspect him of everything and I want him gone. Instead, and this is my favorite part of how this unfolds, Anthony Scaramucci says, oh, because I want him to help me find the real leakers, which ranks right up there with, like, Scaramucci partnering with OJ to find the real killers. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's absurd. But then, and this is Ian's favorite part of this, it goes even further, because on his second day on the job, he calls a reporter. A reporter. Ian, what did he say? So Ryan Lizza, who is uh, actually an excellent uh, uh, writer, reporter for The New Yorker. Yep. Um, he tweeted the other night citing a quote-unquote senior White House official that uh, Scaramucci was having dinner at the White House with President Trump, First Lady Melania Trump, yep. Sean Hannity, yep. and former Fox News executive Bill Shine. An interesting group. Bill Shine, who's been forced out for a bunch of sexual harassment problems because Bill Shine is a straight-up creeper. Yes, if if you take that sort of thing seriously, <laughs> um, so he said sarcastically to our two fans who might be listening, could be offended. So, so the mooch calls up Lizza and wants to know who leaked that to you. Um, and Lizza says, "Of course, I can't give you that information. I'm not going to give you that information." 
So the Mooch responds by threatening to fire the entire White House communications staff. He says, quote, what I'm going to do is I will eliminate everyone in the comms team and we'll start over. To which Liz's response is laughter. Right. <laughs> okay. It's not gonna, it doesn't change anything for me. You want to yeah. fire a bunch of people? Okay. So then, so Mooch figures out that doesn't work. Right. Next. You're an American citizen. This is a major catastrophe for the American country. This right. is a quote, by the way. The American country. So I'm asking you, as an American patriot, to, patriot. Give, me, to give me a sense of who leaked it. Right. Obviously. So Ryan Lizza is a reporter. He's a well-respected reporter. He is not going to give up <laughs> for any reason Right. To which Lizza, his source. And he doesn't say it in here, but pretty clearly his answer was no. Like, <laughs> the only threat to patriotism in America here is idiots like you, Mooch, yeah. but no. We should back up a little bit on this whole uh, Priebus uh, Scaramucci because there actually is some, some, some back and forth. Because apparently uh, Trump wanted Scaramucci in the administration like from day one. And Priebus did not want him in the White House and successfully blocked him from being appointed to any job. Uh, any White House job until last week when 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 Trump offered him the comms job, right? Because so. Priebus was trying to Priebus understood that his responsibility in the White House was to was to reassure like lockstep Republicans that there's a grown up in the room that like he you know while the president may get worked up about stuff like there's someone here who says like but that's not how things work right. work this way we're gonna have to fix yeah. this way so mission so, accomplished right so there was hate there so so far he's tried. I'm going to fire everybody, to which the reporter said, okay. Then he said, be a patriot and tell me. And the reporter said, no. And then things really go off the rails. Yeah. So, you know, he keeps talking about how he's going to fire everybody. He says, this is quotes here, uh, quotes to Ryan Lizza. I'll get to the person who leaked that to you. Ryan Priebus, if you want to leak something, he'll be asked to resign very shortly. Um, and which then he, he says, was. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. And then he says, and this is a quote, Reince is a fucking paranoid schizophrenic, a paranoiac. He channels Priebus here saying, oh, Bill Shine is coming in. Let me leak this fucking thing and see if I can cock block these people the way I cock blocked Scaramucci for six months. Wow. Good thing he doesn't hold a grudge. Yeah. Good. <laughs> and, then, and then he trains his fire elsewhere. Yeah. We just really have to enjoy this for a second. It, it really is. Like, you know, I feel like the only thing you need is, like, popcorn. Like, like, like I want to order, like, a beer and a hot dog and just right. sit back and keep score on this. Mooch, speaking in the third person, states, the swamp will not defeat him. No. They're trying to resist me, but it's not going to work. I've done nothing wrong in my financial disclosure, so they're going to have to go fuck themselves. They, I don't know who they is, but, you know, whatever. And look, to be fair, there is nothing um, suggesting anything untoward about his finances. You yeah, know. that's true. Basically, his, it showed he was a rich guy who ran right. a bunch of head funds. His form of con is perfectly legal, and so he appears that he does not has not um, violated any laws that we're aware of. So, um, you know, I, I just want to be fair that uh, you know, being uh, a con artist on Wall Street um, inside the building, right, is not is illegal. Not yeah. illegal. Yeah. Being a con artist in Wall Street outside the building is illegal, right? So. Then he goes on. He, he continues. So he continues. He says, quote, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to suck my own cock. There's a winner. Yeah. And anybody not... who's ever looked at Steve Bannon, I just don't think he's that flexible. <laughs> I just I don't think he has the ability to do that. I don't think Steve Bannon can see his cock, much less suck it. No, he has he he, he has the dicky do problem. So he says, I'm not trying to build my own brand off the fucking strength of the president. I'm here to serve the country, he says, as he banged his fist in protest. Jesus, tap dancing Christ. This guy, this fucking guy. So so, so, so he is the hero in his own story. There's no question there. Where does this story end this week? Well, I'll tell you where it ends. <laughs> Good God, what fiery wreckage is this? Yes, that's true. Where does it end? With his... <laughs> The mooch. This, um, so the story ends for this week. This is the, I guess this is, this would be the cliffhanger right. of the Trump show. Right. Tune in. Who's on the other in, end of the phone? Tune in next week to see what happens. The cliffhanger this week, his wife files for divorce. This is from the New York Post's page six. Um, God, they are heroes. Anthony Scaramucci, the White House's potty mouthed new communications director, has been dumped 
by his beautiful blonde wife because of his naked political ambition. Multiple sources exclusively tell page six. What that tells me, multiple sources exclusively tell page six, his wife is telling page six. Yeah, his wife Everything. His wife sent the screenshots of the text. <laughs> Everything. Where he could, Scaramucci's uh, had a child born on, on Monday, could not be there for the birth of his own child, and instead he wrote, I will pray for him. She apparently got also got fed up with his quote-unquote ruthless quest to get close to President Trump, whom she despises. Oh, he's a star fucker. This woman's name is Deidre Bell, and I would like to nominate her as a true American hero. That is, you know, this week's true American hero does a go true to True American Bell. hero. I look forward Deirdre, to... So that's going to be a new... This is going to be a new segment on the show every week. The Deirdre Bell True American Hero Award. This year, <laughs> eponymously being awarded... Uh, to Dear Drabel right. for being a goddamn hero. Yes. Now, now next I'm, week's next week's award I can already predict will go to uh, your cell phone alarm. My cell phone alarm. Yes. Yeah, for those of you listening, <laughs> and and you know, so who's out? Like Ian, like you and I mentioned, you know, former chief of staff Reince Priebus was uh, fired. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, on on Friday, Trump never liked him. Brought him in to show that. There was some sort of institutional control. There's actually a good story that 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 Trump asked Priebus to kill a fly in an Oval right, Office meeting. Right, summoned him to kill a fly. That's how little <laughs> respect he Reince. had. Right, swat the fly. Swat the fly. Will you, you know, he he is never liked Priebus. Priebus wanted him out in the primary when Priebus was the head of the Republican National Committee and Trump was running. Priebus was actively out there. He was part of the anybody but Trump movement. Yeah. But Ian, you know, here's to be the, fair. I don't think anybody likes Reince Priebus. I don't, I don't think, think his parents liked him. Well, you know, there's a f- couple of folks in Wisconsin that like him. Ian, in this in this line of work, I will say one of the truisms that I that I was taught a long time ago, and it's true, is nobody ever gets fired in politics. They get berated and humiliated and have their soul crushed until they leave, and that's partly because no politician ever was willing to be a bad guy. They never want to be the person who comes in and says, "You're not working out. You're fired," because. In a little bit of their defense of sort of their psychoses on this, they are in a job where at regular intervals there is literally a numbers-based referendum on whether or not people like them more than someone else. That's true. That's true. And But I, I do think, you and I were talking about this earlier, I think the fundamental thing we have to keep in mind here is I think Trump's just a pussy. Like, I think the man is a coward. He, like, fights with people over Twitter, but the, isn't man enough to, like, call Priebus in and say, you're done. It's not working. Right. We're going to move on. Clearly. It is just remarkable. So I want to put a bow on this with two quick comments. The first being, this is week one of Scaramucci's uh, tenure God. on the Trump show. No, he it's is, get better. He is burning hot, hot, Woo! hot. But my fear, my fear is that he may burn out. The this is that burns. So I'm I'm giving him the nickname the Champagne Supernova. Wow. Uh, our second like what that is who's a big reach back right there? Who is going to play him on Saturday Night Live? Oh, so we so I think this is my think on this right. Like Trump hated the fact that Melissa McCarthy played Spicer. Hated it. Yeah. It's you know I think the real deep game here on casting. Is I think you cast Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I think you put her. I think you put her in the wig. You bring her right back in. You show everybody like it's the message to Mooch of like, yeah, fuck you, Edward. Same shit, different day, asshole. Yes, this must happen. This has to be a thing. Melissa need- McCarthy, because we know you are a listener. We know it. Please start lobbying. Hashtag Mooch McCarthy. Mooch McCarthy. If you like both this of, idea, both of our listeners, us. both of our listeners, please start hashtagging this stuff. Actually, I don't think my mom's on Twitter. So when we come back, we're gonna get to our fav- my favorite segment of the week, moron or asshole. You're listening to Insert Name here.
Do you have a commercial venture you'd like to associate with a terrible and poorly listened to political podcast? You too can come in as a sponsor of the One Love Massive Collective and this podcast by contacting us at Wokesense84 or at the at One Love Massive Twitter account. Ian's supposed to be trying to make me crack up during this, but as we can see, Ian was born without a sense of humor. No and sense th- of humor whatsoever. No sense of humor whatsoever. It's it's really tragic. I would like to point out, you can also reach Scott at uh, at puked on myself. Okay, eighty seven. Okay, again, that's that's reaching Ian. That's his. That's I don't check that Twitter. Uh, I don't know I, anything I check about it. that. I check it for him, and I always retweet. <laughs> I, I make sure to retweet. <laughs> God damn it! You made me break. God damn it! Uh, we're back. You're listening to Insert Name here. And, uh, Ian, we're back at my favorite segment of the week. Moron or asshole? Moron or asshole. Although I am toying with the idea of maybe renaming this segment This Fucking Guy. Boy, that's a, that's actually a way better name, This Fucking Guy. <laughs> this Fucking Guy. Ian, here, let me tell you a little bit about this week's nominee for Moron or Asshole. My friend, we are talking about the pride of Corpus Christi, Texas, and no, I don't mean Selena. No, my friends, we're talking (laughs) about Republican Congressman Blake Farinold. This week, old Blake raised the battle flag of macho sexism once again, commenting to a local Corpus radio host, Bob Jones, which that's just a great fucking host name in and of itself, right? Yes, if you are Uh, a conservative radio host in Texas, right? Your name, you 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 may be named Bob Jones. Jesus, tap dancing Christ. Uh, about the but uh, commenting to Mr. Jones on his esteemed broadcast about the women Republican senators opposing Trump care, or as he called them, the quote, female senators from the Northeast, unquote, saying, quote, well, if they were as a guy from South Texas, I might ask him to step outside and settle this Aaron Burr style, unquote. Aaron Burr, by the way. Aaron Burr. <laughs> God, that was a great commercial. What was he our second vice president? A third vice was he Adams's vice president or was he Jefferson's vice president? I can't remember. If you're listening to Hamilton right now and can call in and help <laughs> us out with this, we'd appreciate it. But like look at this. Noted blustering fat guy versus the prides of the North. Susan Collins of Maine, Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, which PS, not in the Northeast. Uh Lisa Merskow- also, also voted for Obamacare repeal. Right. Lisa Murkowski, who's from Alaska. Also not in the Northeast. Also not in the Northeast. Ian, blustering fat guy versus the prides of the Northeast. Who you got? <laughs> Who you got on this? Who's... This was a pretty epic takedown because Susan Collins, because we actually got some real talk out of Susan Collins. We got some hot mic action. Hot mic action. Not, not magic mic action. Not magic mic action. The, not, yeah, not hot although magic. if you want some hot mic action, you can tweet him at, at DJ Mike Phillips. That's Phillips with a Z. But yeah, so uh, in front of the, in, a microphone was left on in front of Susan Collins, who was <laughs> asked about, hey, Blake Farenthold said he wants to duel you. So she's talking to, she's talking to Democratic Senator Jack Reed uh, uh, from Rhode Island. Ah, uh, yes, this the is after, five foot thunder. There it is. A <laughs> after a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee hearing. So the mic is still on, and she's talking to uh, to Senator Reid, and she says to him, she says, did you see the one who challenged me to a duel? <laughs> the one. I love it. And Reid says, he says to her, you could beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and then she calls him fat and ugly. She says, she says, well, fat guy, he's huge. He's so... <laughs> He's so unattractive. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> did you see the picture? Oh, she great. asked him. She asked Reed. She goes, did you see the picture of him in his pajamas next to this Playboy bunny? And it's amazing. <laughs> and if you have not seen this, go on to the internet and Google Blake Farenthold. Because basically about the third photo that comes up is a gigantic fat South Texas Republican congressman. Like in like a children's onesie <laughs> on a Halloween, like just like smiling like his big shit eating grin next to these two Playboy bunnies. It's just like you have got to be fucking kidding me. Right. You you want a duel? I could outshoot that guy, and I'm not even very good with anything except revolvers. At now revolvers, risk- I ain't bad with, but like 
Jesus Christ, Blake Farenthold. Oh, my God. At the God. risk at the risk of fat shaming, the only thing this guy should be dueling with is a salad. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That uh, was outstanding. I, I, I'm just, I'm at a level. Who? So, Ian, if you could duel anyone in Congress right now, but you could only duel them once, like, you, you know, you need you got to go deep game here. Like the obvious is like, oh, I duel Donald Trump. Yeah, okay, don't be an asshole. You could duel anyone in Congress. Who you got? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I might just go Blake Farenthold. You know, look, it's a big target. Uh, it's, a, it's a low probability. It's a higher probability of success right. versus going up against like, uh, you know, like Ryan, who's there's just not as much body mass there to hit. Right. Uh, you know, you figure yes. Ryan. You figure Ryan can move, right? Like Farenthold doesn't have like he's not lateral have any mobility, lateral mobility <laughs> or shit like that. Like basically, the risk is that he just goes like uh, uh, straight up Don Zimmer and just tries to fucking bulldoze your ass right off the mound, kind of thing. Uh, I think he it, would try. He would try to back me down into the paint, but I'm I am positive that I could take him off. The I, you know, I'm pretty. Do you positive. think when Blake Farenth? Do you think if Blake Farenthold like played high school basketball, that if he tried to back you down to the paint, people just would go like. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're going there, I guess. Right. <laughs> so I, so I, I do see this as a fat man, so like I'm willing, but like we recognize our own. And one thing that what like Blake, Blake, let, let's have a moment here, buddy. One fat guy to another, okay? You you don't like the only place you can go after people if as a fat man, like you, you can go to like intellectual arguments, which I know we're asking a lot of you here. Like I know this. But like there's capacity, you know, any th- athletic endeavors, appearance driven, anything like that. No, you know, it'd be a great fundraiser in South Texas. So there's in Texas there's a huge feral hog problem. They're all wild. They're very smart. They're very dangerous. You should like some Democratic challenger should make some kind of feral joke and do like a feral <laughs> hog hunt. Because literally the way you hunt them is you go up in helicopters with high powered rifles and you shoot down at them. Because if they come at you at ground level, like they're so quick, they they can legitimately hurt you, right? Uh, and or and or kill you. But like, there's got to be a good like, like King Robert. You know, there's got to be a good like Blake Farenthold, like uh, you know, hunt a feral hog, and we don't mean Blake. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, our colleagues on the Korean Peninsula, and then we'll move to our favorite thing we saw this week. You're listening to Insert Name. You're listening to Insert Name here because neither Ian nor I are smart enough to come up with a name. <clears throat> but, well, <clears throat> do you have something in your throat? I do. Actually. Yeah. Well, in the Politically meantime. transmitted disease. Okay, we already said no to that. But if I, you have an idea for what to call this, you can tweet Ian at since 84 on Twitter. Ian, we're not going with politically transmitted diseases. We're not. As I mentioned, my friend Matt. Uh, came up with Politico de Gallo, which is a take on, for those of you who don't know, Pico de Gallo, which is sort of like the tomato cilantro. Who hurt you? <laughs> yes! <laughs> and we're back. Welcome back to Internet here on the end. Scott, Scott, let's get serious again. Uh, this time about a legitimate threat, North Korea. We discussed North Korea a couple weeks ago because they had um, done an ICBM test, uh, and at the time we were we were we were saying you know this could reach Hawaii, Alaska, uh, right. you know, maybe maybe not yeah. you know the uh, 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 you know but it but it needs to be taken seriously and, and 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 it always has been taken seriously because they have the capacity to hit Seoul, which is a city roughly the size of New York City. Right, it's it's surprisingly huge. Right, so well, probably not surprising to other people, but as a sheltered <laughs> white white man in America, like. Seoul is not some like little town. Seoul is a big damn city. If you look at a list of city, uh, the biggest, I'm going off on a total tangent. If you go, if you look at a current yeah. list, current list of largest cities in the world, um, it's it's pretty surprising. Um, how thus endeth the tangent. So Friday morning, um, looks hang on, like hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm thinking about nachos and I need to wrap this up because I think about nachos and we're on tangents. Thanks, Ian. You're welcome. <laughs> this is our serious segment. <laughs> so Friday morning, shit gets real. Uh, North Korea launched a second missile, which experts now say has the ability to potentially hit Los Angeles. 
Um, North Korea claims it could hit Chicago and the East Coast. I don't know. I don't know. But it seems unlikely. But you know, at this point, we're 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 talking about a legitimate threat to the country, um, and you know, these ICBMs are the preferred delivery method of choice for uh, nuclear warheads. Um, you know, President Obama warned uh, then President Elect Trump that North Korea was the biggest U.S. threat, and Trump, by all accounts, seems to kind of get that. But, uh, you know, this is serious, so I guess my question to you, Scott, what the hell? Yeah, you know, we we make a lot of, it's easy to make a lot of jokes about bad haircuts and crazy people in charge of North Korea, right? Like, no, no. That's, uh, to be fair, that's only because there is a, a crazy person with a bad with haircut, a bad haircut. Like, in charge true, of I North mean, Korea. I mean, we are just speaking the truth. Uh, really, that's what I think of myself as, as a truth teller. And as a six foot four Adonis, uh, it's important for me to always be able to do that, you know. But uh, so that was a joke because I was lying. See, the real key here is you have to see us in the studio. Radio is a visual medium, and podcasters don't do that, right? Um, but use, you know, use your imagination, right? But but this is like you said, like shit's getting real now. Like these are this is a country that has dicked around with nuclear, you know, has like fooled around with nuclear stuff for a long time, and that by all accounts. We believe like they probably have a nuclear program or are very close to having a nuclear program. Right. They're now throwing missiles up in the air that I mean, aren't. They just, have a nuke. They have nukes. They have. Right. Weapons. They've tested them underground. Right, like right, it's right. there. They're now throwing missiles up the first time that this are admittedly. Is not, this is not Iran. This is not Iran who is working for us. Right. And this is admittedly, you know, 50 and 60 year old technology that they're monkeying with at this point, but. Like it, but fifty it, and sixty years ago, we right. were able to blow Hiroshima. Right, off they have now the reached, map. Right, they've reached a threshold now where like these these missiles could potentially hit Americans. Before it was a guy yelling at us about he's going to kick our ass from across the room. It's like okay, whatever, dude. Now that dude's in front of us and it's real, and they've pulled the knife and like whoa, you know, the United States said it conducted a successful missile defense test, uh, you know, earlier today, um, in the Pacific Ocean where they. Basically, we we fired a dummy ballistic missile and then had a missile intercept program intercept it. Now, a whether or not that's true or not, like you know, we, we don't really know for sure. You know, intercepting a missile is the is basically the equivalent of hitting a bullet with another bullet. It's very hard. It can be done, but it's not easy. That said, you know, the United States immediately responded with like, "Oh yeah, well, we could shoot down your missile if you do it to try to push back a little bit." You know, the other thing here though is. You know, like you said, like it was the one warning that Obama gave Trump on the election day. It's like you have to take Korea seriously, and Obama said that he felt like Trump really did get it and understood that like this is a problem. You know, Trump sort of went off this morning on his preferred medium, Twitter, uh, saying, you know, China does nothing for us to North with Korea. With uh, they do nothing with us, they do nothing for us with North Korea. Just talk, despite for, for making, our English speaking friends, right? Just <laughs> exactly. Despite making hundreds of billions of dollars from the U.S. each year, so it's it's viewed as sort of a potential warning about, you know, uh, future sanctions against both North Korea and potentially against China. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about that because uh, Trump is running into the same reality that you know the past two or three or four presidents have run into, which is the limits of global influence on North Korea, even Chinese influence. Um, I mean, there are already pretty heavy sanctions on North Korea. Uh, They're functionally a pariah state in the global community, Um, and nothing that has happened thus far has changed changed the way that they're operating, their national goals, their means of achieving those goals. Um, I will say this for the North Koreans. They put on one hell of a military parade. They really do. Like the kick, I mean, the, the, somebody has the to kick carry synchronicity that. That, is tremendous. Now that the Soviet Union's mm-hmm. gone, somebody's got to parade, you know, 40-year-old ballistic missiles down the road. And, <laughs> and, you know, when the Soviets did it in the 70s and 80s, it was state-of-the-art, and now it's 40 years old. But the North Koreans don't know any better. They think it's state-of-the-art, too. Well, it is state-of-the-art for them because God knows they've been cut off by everybody. Right. It, it, this is, but... You know, this is real. Yeah. This yeah. is a thing that, I mean, we didn't even touch on one of the other big things this week, which was, you know, the president announced that uh, he's going to ban transgendered uh, service members from continuing to serve in the military, citing cost reasons. Yes. 
which you know is kind of like makes, arguing about makes perfect like, sense. Right. We 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 can't put this last drop of water into our Olympic swimming pool. Like, uh, uh, yeah, okay, let's get a grip. But you know, there was a brief period, a couple of stories. They were they kind of ran under the radar, but yeah. the timeline in the way he did his tweet of that was his first tweet said something like, you know, after careful consultation with my military advisors, I have decided that the United States will no longer dot, dot, dot. That was like the first tweet. Yeah. And there were nine minutes between that and the second one where he said a lot, you know, some version of, you know, accommodate transgender uh, transgender Americans from uh, serving, you know, serving their country in the armed forces. And in that nine minutes, there apparently was legitimate concern at the Pentagon that he was about to announce some sort of, Military Strike, action yeah. against North Korea, or you know, some sort of like international <laughs> action. I'm just trying to picture a conference room in the Pentagon with a bunch of four-star generals, each of them on their phone on Twitter, refreshing, right, <laughs> looking at this, basically going like, "What oh, the fuck is he doing?" Right, like, "What the oh, fuck is he oh, doing?" Oh shit, do we need to be ready for like, like, do we have to be ready to go to war here? And you know, it's a, it's terrifying that this is such an uncoordinated operation that they can't figure out how to. Like that, the Pentagon didn't know that he was yeah. about to add, a, you know, announce a change in, you know, Pentagon policy is a little nerve wracking just in and of well, itself. Well, you know, people, people, you know, a lot of times I hear from the right wing people saying, um, uh, you know, why, why do we, why do we spend so much time talking about the process and you know, this is a a White House that doesn't that can't shoot straight and and it's for this reason exactly because a crisis is bound to arise during Trump's four years. How will they handle that? Right. You know, it, it, because it's not, you know, you, you, you can't just, you can't just uh, uh, say, well, this is the outcome that we want, and so this is how, you know, we're, we're obviously going to have that outcome. You know, you have to have a process to get there. You have to have a process for sifting through information and making well-informed decisions. Right, to make sure you, know, you make a decision that doesn't, right. you know, that you don't make a half-baked decision that doesn't make sense and can, frankly, Result in, like, spectacular loss of life. Spectacular loss of life. You mean, like, if, for example, we decided to go to war in Iraq when they decided, you know, when they had nothing to do with, right. uh, you know, the attack on, on on the United States. I mean, these that's the sort just, of thing just, that when just you're... Just like a hypothetical. When your decision-making processes are not in line, you end up making poor decisions down there. And there's nothing that I've seen out of this White House that leads me to believe that in a crisis, we're going to have sound decision-making. Um, we're going to have people, we'll certainly have people in the room who people. know who know what they're doing, who know the information, who know the facts, who know how these things are supposed to be handled, and then Trump is just going to do whatever, you know, whatever he decides to do in that moment, untethered, by any information or facts that right. are related. Un- unencumbered by the thought process. Right. But it is, you know, we it, it's true. As progressives, we and, you know, as two men with college degrees, we, we have been we talk a lot about process. But process matters. Process matters. How you, you know, knowing how to put out a fire is the difference between not having a thing be on fire for a moment or two and putting out a fire. Right. You know, it, because the, the other risk with all this is the the more obvious it becomes that he that Trump is like just totally disconnected from how the government works, the less anybody can negotiate with him. There like what we have now is, you know, a state without a like kind of without a captain. You ever, you ever hear of what's called a, 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 a Odysseus's paradox? Right? The idea is Odysseus coming back from the battles of Troy and he sails on his ship for ten years or whatever. Right. Every day he replaces one Homeric, plank. Homeric classics here. Though. Yes, exactly. Because I because I'm hip with what the kids are talking about. Right. But every day he replaces one piece, one plank of wood on his ship. At what point does it cease to be the ship he left Troy in? You know, when he lands, is it still the same ship that he set out in? You know, similarly, like we're we're a country right now that like we don't really have a functioning uh, a, a, like a functional executive and a well-functioning executive branch we don't have a functioning government really at it right we don't really have a, a functional like our, our our legislative branch isn't really working broken. the way it's supposed to it's, it's like broken. fighting itself are we still a country 
like you know we have a flag we have an anthem we collect taxes and things like that but like are we still operating as a country or like is this just sort of you know i think the question is just is like not. technical difficulties and like on the simpsons with like you know the the you know ben the bear has gotten loose and you have to call in the ben <laughs> control and it's just like the drunk cameraman oh we're experiencing technical difficulties i think the question is not are we still a country i think the question is are we country with a functioning with a with a well functioning government very bounce back clearly not right we're turning well, into a banana republic you know that their chinos notwithstanding um <laughs> when we come back we'll move to ian's favorite segment of the week my favorite thing i saw this week you're listening to insert name here hey y'all so scott we are uh being hosted here, beautiful hospitality at the One Love Massive HQ, scenic Shaw neighborhood across from the historic Howard Theater. Across from the historic Howard Theater, that is correct. And uh, so we're here at the One Love Massive HQ, and, and we want to hip you to everything that's going on with One Love Massive. If you want to be hip to everything that's going on in the district, also in the DMV, can we find them on the Google machine? We're going to try this one again. We're going to start over on this. <laughs> Welcome back. To wrap up, let's end with my favorite thing I saw this week, where we highlight something that gave you hope, made you smile, or at least deadened the existential pain of the Trump administration just a little bit. Ian, what was your favorite thing that you saw this week? My favorite thing I saw this week was last night. Uh, we had... For the first time since, I believe, 1982, El Clasico was held outside of Spain. For those who do not know, El Clasico is the ancient blood feud between two of the great football clubs of Europe, FC Barcelona and the football club Real Madrid. Uh, they played last night. Barcelona took it 3-2. to two. It was a really actually very entertaining game. Neymar had a lot of chances. Messi had a lot of chances. Messi was able to put one in. Neymar had two assists. Um, it was just really, really nice, fun soccer. It was a little bit defense optional, but, uh, you know. It was like the NBA All-Star game. <laughs> it wasn't quite NBA All-Star game levels of defensive neglect, but uh, it was also not a, uh, a textbook uh, telling of how to play how to play defense for those who don't know i am a big barcelona fan and not because i just jumped on the bandwagon when messi showed up my family my mom's side of the family uh is originally from catalonia um so i give a big you know little finger to madrid uh, the most beautiful city um and uh pull for barcelona they've had a lot of success uh i've had a lot of success i've enjoyed their successes Spanish soccer, feel Spanish the soccer. excitement. Feel the excitement. It's two of the best, two of the best clubs in the world. A lot of the best players in the world were on the pitch last night. Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was in Miami, and it was like probably eighty twenty Barcelona Real fans. I was surprised by that. Although there is, from what I understand, kind of a streak among South American, Central American uh, uh, peoples. They generally like Barcelona as much. Uh, as a sort of like a fuck you to sort of establishment Spain, Spain, there's still I think negative feelings in much of that part of the world about Spanish conquistadores. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah, my uh, my favorite thing I saw this week there was there was a tie, um, and the second one I'm going to talk about touch on briefly at the end. I think what the leader in the clubhouse, the my favorite thing I saw this week was the ongoing covers of the New York Post. Um, <laughs> The new, the being a headline writer for the New York Post, I think, is one of the truly great jobs, uh, in in like the history of America. You yeah. have just an extraordinary volume of ink. You have just a a very, very big voice, and the beauty of the Post is, uh, you you you, you it's about as close as you can coming to come to cursing, uh, in 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 mainstream media and get away with it. Um, <laughs> this week, uh, the last they've done they've done two covers in the last ten days. That uh, uh, look like uh, the 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 old uh, Survivor <laughs> reality show co uh, uh, logos of like you know out tweet out snipe out last 
and they keep crossing people off. It's like the <laughs> Donald Trump White House survivor, and they're crossing people off. They crossed off Priebus, and they crossed off uh, Spicer, and like the new villain is is Scaramucci, and you uh, really, you really have to see these these they these are, covers. They are, they are just works gorgeous. of art. There the, is some designer in there like should get that shit framed and just retire. <laughs> like the the whoever the whoever like the editors in there. The photoshopping is so bad, but it's like it's perfect. It is it uh, it is glorious. And I Jeff think it, Sessions is head on like some twenty two year old survivor dude's body with like a six pack abs. That's that may be it, that may be my favorite thing. I've it seen. is remarkable, and it really goes to the heart of I think, you know. Trump is sort of in charge, but like not really. He's more just like the dipshit host that's along for the ride, and he's kind of firing everybody. But he's also, again, in my theory, too much of just a wuss to actually do it. Um, you know, at least Mitt Romney said he liked firing people. At least you knew Mitt Romney like would do what he said. Trump's just a ugh, blech, blech. Uh, it's really remarkable. Uh, I will say, you know, as a sidebar for basically my, myself when I listen to this later. Uh, the my second favorite thing I saw this week was a uh, was a video sent to me uh, by uh, one of my great friends in the world, um, uh, my buddy Robert. Uh, who I just want to interrupt you for one second because I want you. Uh, I just want it on record that both of your favorite things that you saw this week on a podcast. Yes, one is a picture on the cover of a newspaper. The That's other correct. is a video. That's correct. On a podcast. That's correct. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I don't, I don't understand this, Eric. One's a picture. I'm, I'm holding the pic. Look, look. I'm holding the newspaper up right now. You're holding it up to the mic, so that's good. Yeah. So you can all. You can, can everybody see it? Okay. Do you want me to? Yeah. That's good. Okay. Now, my my second favorite thing though is, and admittedly, it is a dated video. Uh, it is almost three years old now, but it is uh, DC's finest, the Dismemberment Plan, uh, covering the iconic rock and roll song of the '70s by uh, the famed. Uh, women fronted band Heart, rock and roll Hall of Fame inductees. They are outstanding. Heart, Heart uh, Heart's iconic Barracuda, uh, just a tremendous big guitar rock and roll song, uh, in which uh, the ladies of Heart basically just kick the doors down and announce that yeah. the that rock and roll is no longer exclusively the domain of uh, skinny white guys from uh, from Britain and Los Angeles, uh, and the dismemberment plan. Just I I, I genuinely feel you know one of the greatest creative acts to ever come out of the city covering barracuda by heart Those is just goddamn tremendous those guys are great uh They're you great. should track it down we'll tweet it out uh but it is great ian uh that's all i got for this week how about you nothing else so thank you to the one love massive collective for Hosting us this week, as we like to say every week, as they like to say, they are DC. DC as fuck. As fuck. You can learn more about them at onelovemassive.com. Follow them on Facebook at onelovemassivedc or on Twitter as at onelovemassive. As long as we're giving out some love, thank you to our producer, Magic Mike. Yeah, that's sticking. He is really, he's deeply unhappy about this. Deeply. He's shaking his head in disappointment. Uh, DJ Mike Phillips, you can find him on Twitter at, at DJ Mike Phillips with a Z because he's he's edgy. He's hip. So there's the Z. That's how you can tell. Uh, if you want to sponsor this podcast, hit him up. He'll hook you up. We have a surprisingly loyal fan base. Uh, if you have an idea for a name for this stupid podcast, you can also tweet that at us at Ian's uh, Twitter handle. That's at woke since 84. Uh, woke since 84. Right. Uh, that's that's Ian's uh, Twitter handle. Right. Um, you know, it's important that we focus on Ian's Twitter handle here, um, right. as you know, because that's as opposed the, to as opposed to puked on myself eighty seven, which is who, okay. So, who are the eighty six people who had puked on myself before you got to <laughs> puked on myself eighty seven? Like, how many people have this? I want you to know. Broadcast I want you to know that this is actually a thing, and I started up that account, and I started um, following a bunch of K pop. So the the Twitter timeline for puked on myself eighty seven is all K pop, all K pop, all the time. I'm gonna start retweeting that shit. Well, if you have an idea for this stupid podcast, you can tweet that again at us at at woke since eighty four. If we choose the name you recommend, you'll win this week's prize: four empty bottles of Mexican Coca Cola, which is, as everyone knows, far better than the American. Crap, because it's made with real sugar. Clearly, clearly. Uh, our nominee this week from Robert in Providence, 
who suggests make it stop. Mm. But, you know, it does. It works on a lot of levels. It works on podcast, a lot of levels. The administration. It works on a lot of levels. There's a lot of potential yeah. to it there. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the guy, you know? Uh, probably not. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Unfortunately. Well, in the meantime, we'll give you a little bit of the plan, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. This has been insane. See ya. This is really super high tech, and he's Scott is putting his phone up to the microphone. This is our outro music. Yeah, feel the rock. But everybody in here is bobbing their heads. We keep, we keep proving to people that this is a great podcast.